Hello ladies, gents, boys and girls, and welcome to the latest Full and Focus podcast. My name's Danny Boyer, and I'll be your host for today's show in place of Morgan, who should be back in the hot seat next time round. It's been quite a rollercoaster ride for the Whites since mid-December on the back of that disappointing defeat by a cookie Sunderland. But this train just keeps getting faster, so buckle your seatbelts as we hopefully take it into another gear on Saturday away at Preston. We've plenty to discuss before then, and as much as I'd like to sit here agreeing with myself, it's best for you guys if we have a couple of co-hosts. So time to introduce them. To make my life difficult, they're both called Matt. I think someone's on the wind-up there. So we're going to nickname Matt Baldwin, Reese. Bit random, but that's what we're going to do. So, Reese, how you doing, mate? I, 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 no complaints coming from my end. You know, if you want to, if you want to take issue with both of us being called Matt, take it up with the parents. It wasn't exactly my choice, so I was, I was along with, with it. So take it up with Matt's parents because my, I was here first. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, we yeah, ain't introduced you yet. <laughs> Hang on, we ain't introduced you yet. Right, so, so Reese, how you doing? Again, can't complain. Everything's going swimmingly. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, we got uh, another Matt, as, as you've gathered by now, I'm sure. Uh, Matt Dom, how you doing, Matt? Yeah, good, thanks, Dan. Yeah, that's how it works on my show. Right, you wait for me, yeah? Wait for me to introduce you. <laughs> anyway, um, listeners, as you've gathered, I'm a little bit different to Morgan, so um, a little bit nervous in the minute. It's my first time hosting the show, but um, hopefully it don't go tits up. Right, so... Before before we look back at Tuesday's result, I want to start with the, the Saturday win against Derby. Uh, the fantastic run we've been on started before Mitrovic and Target came into the side. But back then, we was only grinding out results. We weren't convincing. And I think two examples of that would be Borough and Barnsley away, where uh, the Borough game could have quite easily gone against us. We nicked it in the last second with a penalty. Uh, same with Barnsley. Both in the first half. Their player goes crazy for some reason or another get sent off just before half-time. And we again, we nick it with McDonald in injury time. So we, we, we had a couple of close shaves where we wasn't quite on the ball and we still come out the other end. But now, Derby for me, the first half, right? I mean, the performances have been decent for a while, Wolves, Villa, etc. But I think they peaked Derby first half. It, it, it brought me back to the days of Tagana and, and that, that promotion, a promoted team. Uh, the football at times was breathtaking. I mean, I think Derby went into the game a little bit arrogant. I think they thought, we're fourth, you're fifth. We're just as good as you. And I think they were blown away at first. Uh, they just couldn't get near us. And hence why Kenny was kicked all over the place, because they were just off the pace. And that's that's as close as they could get to him. Um, so for me, that, that's the first point I'd like to make. Um, the second one would be that I think um, we're a maturer version of last season. I think we're a much well, uh, much more balanced team. And the reason for that is that I think we aren't, aren't as attackive. I think we, you know, last season we went into every game in that fantastic running, winning 4-3 or even 4-1, 3-1, 2-1, Every game we conceded a goal. And the difference this year is we don't. And I think that's why we come unstuck against Reading in the playoffs. Reading scored in both games and we just couldn't outscore them. It just—it was one game too many for us. This season, we score first, it's game over. And I think Jakanovic learned by that. I think Target coming in is a massive signing, just as big as, as Mitrovic. 
because it's just I think the, the whole team with them two is well balanced now. Anyway, that's enough for me. Reese, I know you was at the game. What do you think of that, mate? Um, well, to be perfectly honest, I've sort of run out of superlatives and run out of words left to left to describe this team. I mean, you called them Tigana-esque, and I can absolutely see where we come from. Some of the stuff we've been playing is just been fantastic. And the freedom that the guys have been, you know, feel like they can play with. For instance, the Stefan Johansson back heel, if we were to, uh, for the Ryan Setion goal, if we were, you know, scrapping in a relegation battle, for instance, or mid-table, not really fighting for anything, you know, would they be doing that sort of stuff? But the fact that we're in such a good, uh, we've got loads of confidence, we're in such a good run of form, gives them the freedom and the ability to try stuff like that out. So it's just, it's just been fantastic to watch. And I'll, I will definitely agree with your point about Mitrovic and Target improving the side. And I said on uh, one of the forums, uh, just the, I think it was after the Ipswich game, that I wasn't really excited about about our, our win against Ipswich because I still didn't think that that team that we had before the transfer window was good enough to go up because of the the holes we had. Like I'm still not entirely convinced by Fonte up front. Uh, Kamara, I like Abubakar Kamara, but I'd still he's not quite there yet. I think it's about sort of 80 to 85% of what you want. Uh, left back was obviously an issue. You know, we had Cessignon playing there and that's caused many, many an argument about whether or not he's a left back. So there's just so many things. Now this is, it's a complete team. You know, uh, we're going to sort of discuss later on. Here's a teaser for you guys. That we're going to be discussing about what our weaknesses are, if we have any weaknesses. I personally can't see any weaknesses in the team. And even if, you know, we have an injury or someone needs resting, we have strength in depth to, to cope with it. You know, we gave Aite the, the game off the, yesterday against Sheffield United. And, you know, Ojo stepped in and did a pretty decent job. He's got a lot of stick over the over the months so, uh, since, his, since his injury and even before then. But it's just the fact that the whole squad, everything's clicking, everything's right. Yeah. Marcus Bertinelli in goal, for instance, you know, Again, another uh, point of argument for many fans over the months, but I just there's no there's no argument left to be had. If we'd have had Bettinelli in goal earlier in the season, who knows where we where we could be now? It's just, there's there's nothing in the in the whole team that makes me think that I'm worried about, so to speak. Yeah, I, I mean, I think with the the point you made about weaknesses, I think the right side of midfield or, or, or the run, right side of the forward three is the weakness in the team. But we've got four or five options there now. Cabano, Piazon, Ojo, Ayite. And they're all different. They're all horses for courses. So I think, like you said, Ayite suited certain opposition. I think Ojo coming against Sheffield United did a job. So the fact that we can rotate them they're not so much of a weakness as they would be if we were relying on that one person in the team. But, uh, Matt, I mean, your turn now. What do you think? Well, I mean, the first thing I want to say is um, Derby was all about Tom Kearney. Um, you know, he was back back to his best, absolutely the best he's played all season, potentially except for uh, Preston. You know, he had well over 100 touches. No one on the Derby team came came close to those kind of numbers. Um, and like you said earlier, they just resorted to taking him out. What I really liked was I think Derby game showed just how important 
uh, Tom Kearney is when we're ahead. You know, he's uh, they they came at us in the second half. Um, he was dropping into that in, that gap in midfield. He was the outlet for the defence and for Bettinelli, uh, where we could you know then attack using using his you know he he, he pivots, he takes he takes a man on, players come at him, he keeps the ball, and then some, all of a sudden this space opens up. And when you're ahead, and particularly playing the way we play, that's that's so important for us. You know, you, you made the point a minute ago uh, that the, the transfer window just took us up that next level. And, you know, it, it simply target is a far better left back than any of the ones who've come before him. He's much better. He's he's really, I think, underrated defensively. He's really solid defensively. Um, so our defence has just got that much, that bit better, you know, We've got a consistent goalkeeper and that that uh, consistent back four, barring you know occasionally Odoi and Fikalis. Um, you know they're they're playing together, they're they're getting an understanding. Um, Mitrovic, what can you say? There's there's there isn't a better striker in the league, is there? No chance. No. Um, so it, it's what he what he brings. You know, it, 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 the last two games, Derby. Uh, particularly Sheffield United, but Wolves before that, it, I was I was surprised how good Mitrovic is beating a man on the ground. You know the goal he scored against Wolves, he he rolled his man, fired it into the bottom corner. Uh, early on against Derby, there was a moment as well. He, he had three around him, and he he came away from it with a shot from the edge of the box that got deflected wide, I think. But you know back to the point of the defence, Mitrovic helps there as well from set pieces. How many headers does he win from corners and from free kicks? You know, we, we haven't had that before. And, you know, with those those two additions particularly, I think I think we're the best team in the league. I think we are now. And I think uh, we're proving that with the form we've been on. You know, I mean, everyone was worried about these deadly six games we was going into. And, and you know, everyone was airing on the side of caution saying, you know, we've got a great run, but we played all the easy teams. We've blown everyone away. I mean, Bristol City was, you know, we didn't beat them away, but they've still a decent point. Uh, we, we, you know, we stood firm against all their long balls. Like you said, Mitrovic in the team, I think Bettinelli is more commanding. Right, he's not perfect, but he's more commanding than he would have been last season. Last season, we would have conceded from one of them throws. So I, th- I just think no matter what, what teams throw at us now, I think we've got an answer for it. And I'll, I'll tell you a name we haven't mentioned yet. And for me, he's our player of the season. Tim Ream, take a bow, son. He has been amazing. Defensively, like a rock. I, I think he keeps that back four together now. Matt, you want to you reply to that? Uh, yep, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I mean, it, it's become, you know, at times last season, Tim Ream sometimes fielding at left back. You know, he wasn't the first choice at the back. And you know, in the space of towards the end of last season and and this season onwards, he's you know he's absolutely incredible. I mean, it, it's the, the turnaround is is astonishing, and you know what I think is is really vital. Um, you know, I mean, if we go up, I'd be happy for him to play at the centre back. I don't think the position we'd be in if we go up that we could actually improve on him uh, because he's got that. He can play the ball, you know. How how many centre backs do you see in this league, particularly, but even in the Premier League? How many centre backs do you see who are as calm on the ball as him? I mean, honestly, I can't think of many. And you know, he 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 doesn't get pushed around as much anymore either. Sometimes last season, you were watching him defenders backed in and bullied him a bit, but 
but that that almost never happens anymore and his reading of the game uh he's always in the right place at the right time if 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 he managed to get through then he, he manages to get get the ball back you know he's he's in position i think he's even better reading the game than, than kevin mcdonald to be honest um he's well in for a shout for player of the season for me uh, for me i think for consistency he is my player of the season i mean mitrovic might change that obviously sessignon if he keeps scoring goals he's up there but <laughs> For, for how far he has come, and you know, Sessignon gets all the plaudits, but Tim Rim is just from like, and I agree with what you said. You know, I think that's a very good point. In the Premier League, there's loads of defenders that can defend, but it's the, it, the, the likes of Aguero are always hassling you, they're quicker than you, so you've got to be quick both in mind and with the ball. And I think if, if Rim if can cope defensively. Which he's proven this season. I think he'll be okay. I really do. Um, going back to Matt Target, but you said he, defensively he's the he's the best um, fullback you've seen in quite a while. I think he's the best fullback I've seen Fulham have since Stephen. But for me, Fredericks, as good as Fredericks is going forward and the, the speed, technically he's, he hasn't got anything on on Target. Target for me is the most complete fullback we've had since Stephen. Uh, Reese, anything to add, mate? Um, other than I, t- I, I, as much as I love Steve Finn and Sasha Ritha in his first season was just far and away fantastic. I still love Sasha Ritha, so I, I take I take issue with that. But other than that, no, nothing to add. Uh, Tim Ream, I think the only real knock that you can have on him is that he's slightly on the small side. Other than that, I think he's the he's the perfect defender. You know, if he was a couple of inches taller, then I reckon a couple of Premier League sides would have come in for him. Would have come in for him in January. Cause as as you mentioned, the way he reads the game and the fact that he's so comfortable on the ball, it's almost Tom Kearney level esque of levels of being comfortable on the ball. It's just ridiculous for you know, a Championship defender to be able to play the ball, to be able to play the ball that well. I mean, going back to, to Kearney, um, Matt made a really good point about the way when we're, when we're winning the way you can keep the ball i think that's a very good point i think i think tom kelly is more valuable more valuable for us when we're winning and it used to frustrate the life out of me but the more i get to know this team and understand the way we play now i i actually admire the way he 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 dictates the tempo of the game and you know while everyone else the, you know the likes of ojo and players like that would you know, run 100 miles an hour, attack, attack, attack. That's last season's team. This Kenny just slows it all down. No, let's keep the ball. Let's go back to the keep we have to. Do little one-twos. Let's draw them out and we'll play random. And, I mean, I, I, obviously, I don't, I don't want to go down this road, but I actually interviewed someone the other day, quite, quite a, a knowledgeable older fan, and they actually compared Kenny to Johnny Haynes. And said it was a very similar kind of player when he's on his game. And although I've never seen Johnny Ainge play, I, I can kind of see it from what I've been told. I can see it the way the way that he he just I mean, he's like a tree trunk, and then all the branches just come off of him. He holds it all together. Um I mean another another point I want to make about the, the, the Derby game in particular was um and I think it was a turning point in that game, was uh Jaranson 
he, he you know, he, he was running back, chasing the ball. Uh, they, they was on on a bit of a break, and and he he, he took out a Casey Palmer on the halfway line. Now, although he got booked, I mean, he did very similar against Barnsley. That Barnsley game I was talking about at the beginning, and that's why the other player got the ump and reacted and got sent off. Casey Palmer did the same. It was shoulder height, so it probably wasn't a red card. But you know, we don't need to debate that because it, it didn't matter in the end. But but what I'm getting at is. Last season, I don't think our players would have been smart enough to do that on the halfway line, knowing it was only going to be a booking, take one for the team, let's get reorganised. You know, I think we're a lot streetwise, more streetwise now. And I think, not not quite on Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday's um, sort of um, levels of last season, but I think we learnt a little bit from that. And I think, uh, again, going back to being a mature maturer team, I think... We know how to win now. And it doesn't always have to be pretty. Just win, because that's all that matters. Um, how, how did you see the, the Joranson incident, Reese? Um, I'll admit I didn't quite get a, a good enough view on it. I think I was uh, looking at my phone at the time, because I think a goal would have gone in somewhere that I uh, wanted to check on. But I, as you say, yeah, there's... And as you mentioned earlier, there's a level of maturity within the team. I think they're just thinking about those things a little bit more, and there's a lot more camaraderie. And as you said, taking one, taking one for the team. What I will say, um, that whole Casey Palm thing, I did put in the WhatsApp group that uh, I did. I personally didn't think it was a red card either, but we're two 0 up, so I'll let I'll let it slide. And then he then went on to sort of dominate the game. So we kind of got lucky on that one. Well, I mean, I tell you what, I, I I say it changed the momentum of the game. I think one, it got them, uh, you know, really um, going, didn't it? It got them right, right upset, uh, and it got the crowd going. But for me, because Johansson got booked, he had to go off. And if Norwood's going to come on from the bench, I think he has to come on for Kearney. I don't think he can come on for Johansson because. We lost the the energy in midfield. He he, he isn't very mobile. He, he's more tries to to pick out the passes, and I don't know. I I think that I think they ran us ragged for for a good ten minutes when Norwood come on. He he was nowhere, and it's not it's nothing against him. I just thought tactically it was probably the wrong player to bring on for Johansson. I don't know if you bring Piazon on. I'm not sure. It was a bit of a concern for me because if Johansson was to get an injury. I'm not sure Kearney, Norwood and McDonald would work as a three. I think Norwood instead of Kearney works. And I think that's why we cope so well without Kearney when he was injured. But I'm not sure Norwood for Johansson is a recipe for success. I, I think we, we would lose a lot of energy in the middle. Uh, Matt, you want to respond? Uh, yeah, uh, I agree with that. Um, you know, we don't have anyone quite like Steph in the team. Um, you know, he, he was a bit a bit sketchy earlier in the season, but since he's he's been on form, you know, there's there's no one else who can sort of bring the ball out box to box, you know, come up with assists and goals at the other end, quite like Steph Johansson. He covers so much ground. Um yeah, in the last in the last show I said um that we, we all agreed that when Kenny's back he should he should come in and it should be Norwood who, who drops for him. But, you know, it's, it's a good point. You know, if, if Johansson misses, you know, the, the last couple of months of the season, 
then we, we'd lose a lot, I think. So that's a bit worrying, and it kind of goes back to what we mentioned earlier about are there any weaknesses? Um, there's, I can't see any weaknesses in our, you know, full strength starting eleven, but there's a few a few gaps that are crucial to the way we play. Um, you know, Steph Johansson, the box to box where he plays is one of them. That you know, we, if injuries do come in, then then we'd have a bit of a problem. Um, so I, I would agree. I think Johansson is really vital. Uh, for me, I think the players that would be the biggest disaster if we were to lose him for the rest of the season would be the way he's playing Bettinelli, because I don't think we would cope so well with butting in goal for the rest of the season. Um, target, because I think that would change the whole dimensions of the team. Where would Sessegnon have to play? Would Odoi have to go left back? I think we would, that would be a big, a big loss. Tim Ring. And I think Mitrovic, I think them four. I think if the, if one of those four was to and and Johansson, like you said, I think we could cope without Kenny because we did it before. I think we could do it again. I think those those five for me are probably the ones that we have to keep fit for the rest of the season. Yeah, if we lost Fredericks, Christie's there, Callas and Odoi can rotate. Yeah, it's a difficult one. You don't want to lose anyone, do you? But. But as you said, I mean, what what at the moment is is high flying and looks like there's no weaknesses. With one or two injuries, all of a sudden could change a lot of things. So I I think we're quite lucky that we've probably got the biggest squad in the league. I mean, there's no debating our bench is by far the best every week now. So you know, full credit to 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 Kanovic and and you know the backroom staff for for getting in Mitrovic and Target. And I think. We've given ourselves every chance now of, of finishing, certainly in the top six, hopefully in the top two. OK, right. Well, I think we, we focused a bit too much on Derby. Um, never a bad thing. Just, just want to finish with a shout out to someone called Tom. Uh, he's a fan, that, um, you know, obviously a Fulham fan at the Derby game. He tapped me on the shoulder. He's a massive fan of Fulham Focus. So, you know, really chuffed to someone actually took the time to to say thank you to me and, and to, to you guys and say what a great job we're doing. So I know you'll be listening. So hello to Tom. Um, just want to say, you know, a little emotional um, congratulations to, to Robert Wilson. You know, I know he was at the game on Saturday and to, you know, to the older fans like my mum and dad and, and you know, there's, there's loads of fans their age and, and older. Um, Derby away is quite a, a dark, dark place in Fulham's history. Uh, a lot to do with promotion and missing out on it because of their fans and the way uh, the game was allowed to to go on, you know, the way it, way it did. I mean, I don't need to go on about it. They'll know what I'm talking about. So to go there and perform the way we did in a promotion title race and beat them, I think it was a little bit, a little bit of a little bit of closure for those fans. So. No, I'm really pleased for them and, and I know it was a great day out for all concerned. So we move on to Sheffield United now. Now gotta start with the team news. You know, we always get it on our on our WhatsApp team chat. There's loads of us in it. And uh there was certainly uh mixed views on, on Ojo being in for a Yeet A. Gotta say, I wasn't panicking. Uh, I said it uh, you know a few minutes ago that it's horses for courses with that right side of, of, of the front three now. I think they're all different. They're all as average as each other. I think that they're they're all comfortably the weak link when they play. So a Yee A 
didn't pull up any trees against uh, Derby. I mean, even the wife, she's, it was her first game of the season. She hasn't been for a couple of seasons. Uh, so she only knew a handful of the players. She didn't know who Yite was. And after about 10 minutes, she put, picked him out and went to me, who's he? And I told her who she was. And she said, well, he's a weak link, isn't he? She said, uh, all the others are on the same wavelength. You know, it flows nicely. And it gets to him. And he takes about 10 touches too many. He makes the wrong decision. And he just, he doesn't, just doesn't seem like he fits into the, the set system of everybody else. Stands up like a sore thumb. Got to say, I agreed with that. Uh, and I think, uh, like I do with most things, unfortunately. And, uh, yeah, so it was no surprise to me that he, he got taken off against Derby and then he got dropped for the, uh, for the Sheffield United game. Horses for courses. Sheffield United were always going to go there, everyone behind the ball, you know, tight, compact, and, and try and be organised. And for me, Ayite would have, you know, fed right into their hands. He would have, everything would have been in front of them, running across the goal. We needed someone that was going to, you know, stretch the game, get in behind, even if it meant they were going to be a bit greedy at times. And for me, it was probably the right call. I think Cabano or Ojo would have been the right player to play on that side against Sheffield United at home. Um, Reese, your turn, mate. What do you think? Um, we never quite got to the bottom. Well, at least I don't think we did. Is there a clause in Ojo's contract that says when he is fit, he must play? Because that's yeah. I quite I quite like Shea Ojo. I think he's got something similar to what I said earlier about uh, about Kamara. He's about eighty to eighty five percent of what you want. You can see there's something there with him. And I watched him uh, play a couple of times for the Liverpool uh, under-23 because they come down to Chelsea, which play at Old Shop, which is quite close to me. I've seen him play a couple of times. And he's got something there. I just don't think it's quite there. And I wonder whether or not it's because he's been out of the team for so long. You know, because he had that injury layoff. Then we had the, you know, the time when he was he was being played as a sort of pseudo-centre-forward. Is it the fact that he's not quite got into the the ethos of the team? As you said, um, or your, your missus said, I couldn't quite catch. He just sticks out like so. Then there's something about him that he's just not quite there. I think he's got something. Maybe next year, maybe have an additional year with him, whatever league we, we happen to be in. But he's there, but he's just not quite there, personally. I think I've said that about three or four times. But it's just getting my point. He's just not there. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think Ojo is good enough for another year. Got to be honest. Uh, I think you're a bit generous. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not against him, but I think it's all about progression, and we've seen that this year. All right, it took us until January to to realise it in some cases, but you're you're having having me on if you think selling Malone for like five million or whatever it was, uh, and getting that targeting on loan wasn't a good decision. You know, we, we've we've moved on, we've grown. Mitrovic from Martin, don't insult me. You can't even compare them, right? So, for me, even if we don't go up, we can do better than Ojo. We keep the core of players we've got together. Hopefully, you know, we're, we're going to have a headache trying to replace them to target a Mitrovic or hopefully keep them. Can't see that happening somehow. But, um, yes, uh, for me, Ojo... <laughs> He's all right now for a couple of games here and there, rotating, but 
I don't think he's good. I don't think he's been good enough overall to earn a contract or or another loan with us. Um, God yeah, knows what will happen to him next year. Yeah, as you said, he's a good rotation option, but you don't want him there. You don't want him as your first choice. And and if Liverpool have put clauses in his contract, I mean, I'm not sure. I believe that. I'm not sure you'd be allowed to do that. Um, maybe there's a clause that says if he's fit, he has to play a set amount of games. But I can't see them being able to dictate that if he's fit, he has to play because that should be down to the manager. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, he's done all right in certain games this season. I think I think what what is hard to warm to him with is that he doesn't really score goals. Uh, he doesn't appear to work that hard. He doesn't track back. I think he's very lightweight. I mean, we, we said horses for courses. I will be quite worried if he plays against uh, Preston on Saturday because I think away from home, I just don't think he'll do the the ugly side of the game. Uh, whereas Piazza and Ayita probably will. Um, so, yeah, I mean, nothing against him. But for me, he probably is the weakest out of the right-sided players we've got. Uh, I think they're yeah, all, meant- all pretty average. I think they're all yeah, pretty average, all- but... Adiel, mate. Let, yeah. let me finish. Sorry, sorry, it's the pause. But then, yeah, let me just. You say horses for courses, and he doesn't score enough goals. Remember what happened at Bramwell Lane? Cessignon scored a hat trick. Who scored the other two goals? Do you reckon that was it? No, I get that. I get that. But you, you, can't, you can't just. Hey? Do you reckon that was in his thinking? Possibly. Possibly. He, he, he might have thought, you know, he, he's. Yeah, like you said, horse. Yeah, or I don't know how many times we said horses for courses. We'll have to count this at the end. But yeah, horses for courses. I think I think he, he did well in the in the away game, like you said. Maybe maybe that was in the thinking with Jukanovic. Maybe he thought Ojo as well would be confident coming up against a team that he did score two goals against in the early part of the season. But you can't just drop one one game out of the hat and say you know he scored two goals in that game. I mean, how many goals he scored overall? Yeah, you know, when he was playing week in week out. I don't think he was really putting up any trees. So, yeah, for me, for me, he remains probably the weakest player in R18 uh, when when he's in it. Um, so, yeah, uh, Matt, sorry, mate, we ne- neglected you a little bit there. Uh, you got anything to say? <laughs> no worries. Um, I mean, I, I always feel like I'm fighting a battle a bit. Um, I, I defend OJ quite a lot. Um, I quite like him. Um as he came, he came back from injury like we just mentioned before last time. Scored two goals against Sheffield United, um, and I think I think against against them the other day. Uh, aside from Mitrovic in the first thirty minutes, I think Ojo was our best player. I I happen to think out of all the options we've got on the right, I'd probably put Ojo first. Uh, reason being, when Piaz on there, he can only play inside. He plays, you know, he's narrow. He works quite well with with Rui Font, but now Mitrovic is there doing such a much better job than Font. I'm not sure Piazan's needed along with Kenny. Um, Aite, I mean, he's all right on the left. Again, he just cuts in, runs across the box when he's on the right, uh, crosses it a bit, but his crossing's not very good. Ojo in the first 30 minutes against Sheffield United, he was he was down the line, he was cutting inside. Um, you know, you don't always know what he's going to do. Sure, he, he goes down a bit, but at the same time, to balance that, it won us a few free kicks and got us on top of the game um, against Sheffield United. I'm not going to criticise him too much. He's young. He's very young. 
Uh, he's not the finished article. No one expected him to be. Um, you know, we, we can improve on him, sure. But I, I'm, I'm quite happy with him starting, to be honest. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Right, um, we've got a, a question for you. This one actually come from Morgan. Um, so, if you're listening, hello, Morgs. Uh, which opponent is more likely to bring our unbeaten run to an end? And how do you think the team will rela- react if we, if we do lose? Um, I think the team I'm most worried about playing is probably Millwall away. I think they'll have nothing to lose by the time we play them. It's third from last game. I think it is. And I don't think they're the type of team, I don't think it's the type of crowd that will let the team have a holiday early. I think they're the kind of, kind of club that likes to give everyone a go at home. And I think they've got a decent home record. And being a local lad, it will just sum me up if we end up messing it all up against the team that all my mates support. So, for me, Millwall is probably the one I'm fearing playing the most. Uh, possibly Brentford as well. But I think if we're going to lose our unbeaten run, I think it's going to be on the road. Could be Preston. But the way we're playing at the moment, I, I think it's more likely to come to an end further down the line. Um, how do you think, Matt? How do you see it going? Um, I think... The realistic answer is Preston on Saturday. Um, quite concerned about that, to be honest. I think if you're offering me a draw now, I'd take it. Um, you know, they, they played really well against us at the Cottage. Um, they're, they're that sort of combination of can Quake play quite good football, but also they're a bit a bit niggly and snide that we, we tend to not do that well against. Um, so I, I think a draw would be a great result there. Um, so that's the realistic answer. but I think we all know it's going to be something scabby, like uh, losing at home to Sunderland or, as you said, uh, losing to Millwall. In terms of reacting to it, I I don't necessarily think a defeat would be the end of the world at the moment. Um, you know, the way we're playing, it doesn't take much for that confidence to turn into complacency. So we could lose at any minute. I know Jukanovic is, is pretty good at keeping, keeping the lads grounded, but... Um, you know, and, and when that, if that defeat does come, I say if rather than when, uh, if that defeat does come, I think we'd bounce, bounce straight back. Um, so I, I'm going to say most likely it's going to be Preston on Saturday. Well, you, see, you say that they're, they're informant and then they're good at home. I've actually got their, their home record up. So, I mean, how many games do you want me to go back, Matt? <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't say they're good at home. I said they were good against us at home. Their last seven home games, uh, starting with the you know the the furthest away, uh, drawn, lost, drawn, won, drawn, lost, won. Now for me, that's not the sign of a team that's got a fortress at Deepdale. So uh, I don't know how good they are on the road, or whether they're just one of these teams that will always consistently pick up four points out of out of nine every time. I don't know, but. I think they've got something about them. They're not, they're not coping. Uh, they're not um, struggling without Hugo up front. Uh, they seem to be coping without him. I think they're quite a physical team. Got to be honest, don't really know much about them. Focus is all on Fulham, isn't it? Um, 
Now, Reese, uh, your turn, mate. Right, so, what, what, what do you think of those that record, that own record I just read out? Um, I think it's as you said, they're there to be beaten, and that's why I don't think that are beaten run. If it does, you know, and when I did the prediction, um, uh, someone put it up. You know, towards the end of the season, how many points do you reckon we get? And I said like we get some like twenty to twenty three because I threw in I think one loss. And there's just something in the back of my mind. Who's the bogey team that we've had since we came down? It's Brentford. Brentford. There's Brentford, just that. Yeah. There's just that little thing in the back of my mind that says if anyone is going to be, it, you know, not nothing to do with sort of on the pitch. It goes back to everything you said about Millwall. You know, we know we give we give their fans the whole of the Putney end. For you know, you know that, that that's the club's decision. You know, fair enough. They're not going to want. Then they're going to want to come and spoil any potential party that we have. If there's anyone that is going to want to um, spoil any promotion plans we have, it's them. You know, even QPR in a week's in a you know in ten days' time just worries me all that more slightly. It's it's going to be one it's going to be one of QPR or Brentford. I and there's just a little bit. If it is going to be one, I reckon it will be. I reckon it'll be them. I don't want it to, but I think it will. I hope you're wrong, mate. I hope you're wrong. I don't think I could cope with that. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, prove me wrong. Gladly prove me wrong, but it's just niggling away at me. Well, I mean, we're 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 pushing for time now, so um, uh, I've loved I've loved speaking to you, I really have. But I think we'll we'll finish off by having a prediction of the Preston game each, and then we've all done the uh, prediction table for the championship, so we'll compare, you know, each other's top six and and how we think it's going to play out. So, uh, Reese, you go first with the Preston game, mate. What do you think? Um, am I allowed to give a prediction, or should I let the uh, listeners read it in my opposition focus piece that they can read on the Fulham Focus website? Which would you uh, rather yeah, me do? Shot, no, no, no. You, you leave, you leave it for that, son. You leave it for that. Yeah, that's um, another tease. That's another tease. Yeah, yeah. For everyone listening, uh, Matt, no, Reese, sorry, Reese has started doing opposition focus. Doing a little, you know, brief analysis of of every opposition we play. Uh, we'll hope to release each one on the match day itself in the morning, so you've got all day to to have a little butchers at that. Right, Matt, um, do you want to have a prediction? Yeah, um, one all. I think um, I think that would be a good result as well. I know we, we've we've just said their their home record is not that good, um, but we've. You know, our away record is not as good as our home record these days. Um, and I think one was a good result, so that's what I'm going for. Yeah, I think it'd be one nil. I think it'd be a close game. It'd be very close. I think it'd be, you know, a, a lot of Jukanovic's teams' um, games lately seems to be keep it nil nil at half time, and then we sort of open up a bit more in the second half. And I think I think we'll do that if we score first. I think we'll shut up shop. Uh, I, I find it hard to believe we'll let what happened at Derby in the second half happened again because yeah it's all about small margins but believe me being behind that goal at the angle that that ball was kicked out of play for a corner bloody hell did it look like it was going in I couldn't believe it what an interception that was by um, 
McDonald's at the weekend. So, you know, uh, yeah, I, th- I think we'll, if we score first, I think we'll manage the game professionally. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm going 1 0. Anyways, right, so Reese, we'll go back to you. Uh, keep it brief. Um, so, your top six in order? Uh, one, Wolves. Two, Cardiff, unfortunately. Three, Fulham. Four, Aston Villa. Five, Middlesbrough. Six, Derby. So we played Derby in the playoffs again. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, right, my one was Wolves top, Fulham second, Villa third, Cardiff fourth, uh, Dar- no, Borough fifth, and Derby sixth. So we agreed on Derby. You know what? I actually, it, it came down to the last game with Villa, funny enough. And if, if Birmingham are safe, and it did come down to the last game with us and Villa, I'm not going to say that they're going to let us win, but I think Birmingham fans would be pretty upset with their team if they didn't let us win. The, the fault of Villa going up instead of us when, when it's in their hands. So that, that could be quite interesting if that happens. I, I still think Cardiff are going to fall away. Anyway, uh, Matt, your go, mate. Yeah, um, so I've got, I've got Wolves top, 98 points. Uh, Fulham... We go up on 88 points on goal difference uh, over Cardiff. Villa with 86, Middlesbrough 81, and Preston squeaking for me ahead of Derby with 78 points. Um, the interesting thing about mine was that it, it looks like going into the last day that Fulham, Cardiff, and Villa have all got 85 points. I've got Villa down as drawing away to Millwall in the last game of the season, which, you know, is a difficult place to go, not unrealistic. Uh, we beat who we got uh, Birmingham, and we go up on goal difference. Now, if if Villa do squeak a win on the last day, then we would go up on goals scored. And if they hammer Millwall, then they would go up on goal difference over us. So you know, it turns out my one ends up really close, and uh, I think it's going to be really close. Let's face it. I'll tell you what. After walking to Birmingham which is what I'm doing with Morgs and, and Lee Adams and all that, all them boys, I don't think my heart could take it. <laughs> I, mean, I don't it's think really I could take another final day Portsmouth. Yeah, great, great escape. This, this one would be promotion. I, I don't think I could handle it. I think I'd, I think I would collapse and blame it on the nerves, but it would probably be the walk to Birmingham that does it. But anyway... Um, <laughs> How are you getting back, on, on Danny? That... That's one thing that's never been established. How are you guys getting back? I don't know, mate. I don't know. I, I've... You haven't, you haven't it's... thought it through? It's such a long way to go, right? I, I think I'll, I'll work that out when I get there. I really do. Um, Fuse up will have a whip brand and, and buy me a, a, you know, an Uber to get home. You know, be more than welcome. I, yeah, I, I, think, I think the missus is, is going to drive up with me mum and dad. Uh, yeah, not, not because they want to, you know, they want to wave me onto the finish line. No, it's because they want to see Fulham promoted. So, just so happens I'm going to be there walking. Anyway, right on that note, lads, uh, I think it's time to wrap up the show. So, Matt, thanks for joining me. You know, always a pleasure to speak to you. Cheers, mate. Same with you, Reese. Good speaking to you, mate. Lovely chatting to you anytime, mate. And thank you to all you guys listening.
If you would like to subscribe to our podcast, you can do so via iTunes, SoundCloud, and any other podcast platforms. If you would like to recommend Full and Focus to a friend, if you enjoyed it, the whole Full and Focus experience, please do so. Help us spread the word so we can grow. Um, I'll sign off by leaving you with this. If Fulham come away from Preston with at least a point, Slav's men will equal the club's league record for consecutive games unbeaten. This record of 15 games is held by Kevin Keegan's Division 2 side in the 1998-99 season, meaning that this is already the best unbeaten run for our club in the new millennium. Equal the record, and it will set us up nicely to try and break it against our bitter rivals and the greatest, most inaccurate sports pundit the world has ever known, Ian Holloway. Have a great week, and come on you whites! Fulham.